Hey, good morning. Welcome to the Highlands. My name's Aaron, uh, one of the pastors here. We're thrilled that you're with us this morning. I don't know about you, but I'm a hot mess this morning. Um, there's just some of these Sundays, and usually it's not like this, but where there's just things right up into the service, especially since we've had this building, not being in the school, not being mobile. It's been, usually I get here at seven and I'm just like drinking coffee, hanging out. I don't know, this morning there was just things. And uh, I think a lot of times it's probably, you know, common for us to come into this space and it's just, maybe we're a mess this morning. But if you're a mess, I'm with you. Um, and that's okay. And so what I want to do is I just want to pray that, that the spirit who is here, because he promises that he's here with us when we gather, that the spirit would just meet us with whatever we're in here with. And we'd hear from him, we'd hear from God who loves us and cares for us. So let's, will you join with me and let's just ready our hearts for an encounter with God this morning. Lord, we thank you that you're real. Give us faith uh, where we're weak. Help us in our insecurities, in our weakness, in our shame. Help us in our pain, suffering, uh, and just anxiety and stress that we may be feeling. Whatever it is we're bringing in here, God, uh, it doesn't surprise you. And um, we just ask that you'd meet us with wherever we're at. But God, you're bigger than all the stuff we brought into this place. And uh, we just ask, God, that you would climb above all that in this moment as we look into your word and speak to us in real, meaningful, powerful ways. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Last week we started this uh, new series that we're going to be in for a few weeks called Under the Influence, and what we're looking at is what does it look like to live lives that are more and more under the influence of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that when you become a Christian, you are, you are indwelled, you are given the Holy Spirit inside of you. And there's this opportunity like every single day for us to sort of live more into that, like the power, the reality of the Spirit in our life or, or, or not. And last week I talked about how we need to say no to shame and yes to grace. And if we're always looking back and, all, and sort of living with our, our pasts, it's difficult to move forward in the power and the confidence of the Spirit. And I just encourage you, I think it was a good way to start this series, a great way actually. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, you can go back and listen to that. But this morning, what I want to look at is saying no to denial and yes to declaration. Uh, I think all of us are in denial about something uh, in life. And recently... My wife was looking at my hair, which, as it's gotten longer, has become more of a f sort of focal point uh, for her. I wanted to cut it weeks ago, but I'm in a tough spot because she doesn't want me to. So, happy wife, happy life, I guess. Just rock the longer hair. But it's, it is quite annoying, to be honest. I don't really enjoy it. But uh, she was inspecting it, um, which is part of her job, I guess. Um, and she's like, oh, you got a gray hair. I go, no, I don't. Like, I have beautiful, long, lush, brown, like, blonde hair. Um, and she goes, no, you have a gray hair. And she grabs her camera and takes a photo of it. And he, so, so that's blonde. And that's what I've told her over and over again. Like, that, that's blonde. Um, right?
So those of you who said yes, you're right. Those of you who said no are wrong, and you're lying in church. So <laughs> repent, but um, pluck that thing out if it is great. But whatever, it is a sign of wisdom, so I guess I'll take it. But, um, but there's only one of them, so I don't know what that means. <laughs> but I, a little denial. Like, okay, no, I don't have gray hair. It's blonde. I still believe that, that it's blonde, maybe just a different shade of blonde. But, you know, it's like, a little bit of denial there, but I, you know, all of us have things that we're in denial about it when it comes to life. Maybe it's uh, our age or, you know, I don't know, whatever it might be. But the question I want to ask this morning is, what are you in denial of when it comes to God? Like, the Spirit. You might be here and it's really difficult for you to even believe like the existence of God. Like with what you see, you can't reconcile in your head that there is a good God or a powerful God or a God that cares or a God that's in control. And maybe you're here and you're in denial that, that God even exists. Or maybe you're in denial that, that God is good. Maybe things have just been really hard for you. Maybe things have been difficult your entire life. And it's difficult for you to really believe that, that God uh, is a good God. That God wants good in your life. Because you just haven't seen a lot of goodness. Or maybe you, you're in denial of the power of God. Because in, in the weakness or in your inadequacies or, inadequacies or, or in, in the, the pain and suffering, like you just wonder, is God even capable of stepping into my reality and, and the pain of my reality or the need, that I, the need or needs that I have? And, and I don't know if God's powerful enough to like do that thing. And, or maybe you just... I, it's difficult for you to believe in the work of God, that God would ever use me or God could ever do something in and through me. Like I look back at, my, at what I've done or what I'm struggling with currently and I just, it's hard for me to believe and easy to deny that God would ever want to work in me or through me. And I'll just be honest, like there's been a, a, a denial, I guess, in my life that I've struggled with the last few years where I really have to press up against it and push and push back because the enemy goes there a lot. And, you know, my son has had a various health issues and it's really difficult for me to reconcile, like, children and suffering. Like, I can't, like, I can't easily reconcile that. Like, the innocence of children... And the, the, the bad things that can happen to them, whether by somebody or whether it's a physical uh, disease or whatever it might be, like, it's just difficult. Like, I can look at myself and, like, I'm getting older and things happen as you get older. Or maybe there's things that are self-inflicted and maybe I look and I go, yeah, you know, I deserve that. Like, but when I look at the innocence of my children and, and their suffering, it's really, really difficult for me. And to like trust at times, and it really easy at times to, to be in denial that, that, that God's going to do something or God could do something. 
And I've prayed and prayed and prayed over my son. And still there's things I hope and I desire and I want and I ask for from God. But, but they haven't come yet. And it's easy to get in this place of then just de- being in denial that God cares or God's going to do anything or God still heals or all those different things that begin to sort of question and the enemy, I think, puts in our brains to get us to question the goodness of God, the power of God, the work of God, the love of God, the goodness of God. And I could go into a whole other sermon about a lot of times, you know, it's just God's still there and, and doing things and it's not always in our time and those sorts of things. But the truth is, like, I, I do struggle with that, that sort of denial. But I want to share a story this morning of a man who has the, this really powerful moment with God, but he's, he's sort of, he's in denial. And it's, it's just it's part of our humanity and part of our sin and, and, and our weakness that we're going we're gonna to struggle at times in life to have faith, to believe, to trust, to step out. Because everything's like odds are against us or things, the things that we see don't, don't logically make sense or they don't match with what we, we read in the Bible and what we're seeing or experiencing and, and instead of sort of entering den- like that, that, that place of denial, what if we, we, we entered a place of declaration? Despite how I feel, I declare this. Despite what I see, I declare this. Despite the waiting and the, the, the prayer, the praying for years and years that we want this and it's not happening, I still declare this. Like, I will declare the goodness of God. I will declare the power of God. I will declare the work of God. I will declare that God is faithful. Despite how I feel, despite what I see, despite how much time has gone by. But it's okay to be in a season of weak faith. It's okay to to be in denial at times. Because I want to show you the story of this man named Gideon who is in denial at times, and yet God is patient, God shows up, and God doesn't give up, and God ultimately does what God wants to do in and through Gideon. So if you have a Bible, uh, you can open up to Judges chapter 6, or you can just follow along with me on the screen. It says this. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Just one second here. So God has brought the Israelites out of Egypt, and he's given them uh, his, his, his law, and he has said, like, look, if you guys turn to other gods, like as you come across different people groups that are worshiping different gods, if you start to worship other gods, like, there will be consequences, and this is precisely what has happened in this moment. The Israelites are doing evil by, by worshiping other gods. And God allows the consequence of that. He told them. And, and Israel is overtaken by the Midianites. It goes on to say, because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites... Amicalites and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them 
or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian, was so, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. The Midians, I mean, they are on top of the Israelites. And as soon as the Israelites try to make their circumstances better, because they're hungry, they need food, they start to plant crops, get animals. The Midianites come in and like literally get right on top of the Israelites as soon as they start to plant or they, they, they acquire animals and they just wipe them out. So you can imagine the despair that the Israelites find themselves in. They're not living in their homes. They're living in clefts and in caves and they, they're hungry. They're suffering. And they cry out to God, help us. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah and that, that belonged to Joash, the Abizurite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Do not let the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. See, Gideon, so here's Gideon, and he's, he's, he's farming, um, and he's doing it in secret, which is probably what a lot of people were doing and had to do, because the Midianites would just come in and steal what, what it is you were, you were growing. And so he's at a wine press, and he's, he's farming, and he's doing it um, in secret, and and a prophet, the angel of the Lord, comes to him. And it's interesting because he doesn't say, hello, mighty farmer. Good job. I got a good hiding spot. He, he, he goes to get in, hello, mighty warrior. And, uh, and, and, and Gideon's like, um, hi. And then he goes on to say, you know, like, I'm going to use you to defeat the Midianites. And the, and like Gideon sort of is like, well, he, he's looking through the lens of what he can see, not faith, because he's like, well, where's God been? What's God up to here? Great, like wonderful that you're telling me this thing that he did, you know, years ago. And how he delivered us years ago. But what, look at what's happening now. Look at our current situation now. Like, that doesn't help me. And I, I think, like, we're guilty of this. Like, we, we, we read the stories in the Bible, and we're like, wow, look at God. Look at his power. Look at his might. Look at his work. Like, that's amazing. But then maybe we don't see it, like, play out the same way in our life, and we're just like, that, how does that help me now? Good for them Awesome that God showed up then. But what about now? Or we may experience 
God in our life in a powerful way. And then we find ourselves in a season where we're not experiencing the power of God and it's sort of like, what have you done for me lately, God? And how can I trust you? And are you really faithful? And why would you do it then but not do it now? I mean, Gideon is sort of like just expressing, real honestly, his doubt. The struggle because of what he sees, has experienced, and what he feels. And I think this is the first thing. Is like it's, You have permission to go to God with your lament. You have permission to go to God with your, with like your heart. He can handle it. And if you've ever been told, like, you can't say that to God, you can't do that, like, it's like, go read the Psalms. It's full of David just pouring out his honest heart to God. Like, he can handle your honesty. It's good for you to go to God and just express your doubt, express your denial, express your, your weakness. It's important to do that. It's good for you to do that. And so maybe that's, maybe that's a step you need to take this morning. You just got to get honest with God in your, li- in your prayer life and just, God, this is, this is what I'm struggling with. Why aren't you showing up? Why aren't you saying yes to this? Help me. I'm weak. Goes on to say, what verse am I at? 14. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? He says, Go in the strength you have. And here Gideon's sort of like, Okay. Okay, pardon me, my lord, Gideon replied, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. So God says, look, I'm going to use you to save my people from the Midianites. And and Gideon's response, he's in sort of denial. He goes, look, My clan, my people group of all of the Israelites is the weakest. Like, we're the the Minnesota Vikings, you know? Like, we don't win Super Bowls ever. You know, like, maybe pick a different team to put your money on. You know, like, we're the weakest. And me... I'm like on the practice squad. I'm not like, I'm not even there. I don't even dress on Sundays. I, I don't play. And it's interesting, it's powerful. That, see, the Lord sees Gideon different than Gideon sees himself. And I think that's something that, 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 that you need to know and I need to know that God sees us differently often than we see ourselves. Because we look, we look inside and, and, and maybe there's doubt about my skill set, my gifts. You know, denial that God could ever use me, that God would ever want to use me. We see our weaknesses, we see our inadequacy, we see our failures, our sin, and we think, there's, there's no way God 
is interested in me. No way that God could use me. Or we look at other people and we see their gifts, we see their talents, and we sort of feel inadequate when we stack ourselves up against them. But when you look throughout the entirety of the Bible, God is in the business of using weak people, underdogs, people who don't have it all figured out, people who aren't perfect, people who who don't have the, the, the most skills, who aren't the most gifted. And with his power using us, using people in their weakness to demonstrate his power. I came across a couple quotes by this guy named Warren Worsby, who was a pretty prolific Christian thinker and author. And, and I love these two quotes. He says, God uses the weak things of this world to defeat the mighty. And then he, he said, God uses all kinds of people. And I feel like those two things are so important for us to recognize about God. God uses the weak, the meek, to do big things. And here's an example, Gideon. The weakest clan, and he's the weakest of the weakest clan. And yet it's Gideon who God chooses to lead an army to defeat the Midianites. So if you feel like you're the weakest of the weakest, watch out. God's probably interested in using you. And I think it's important for us to, that second quote, God uses all kinds of people. Look, he doesn't use just one kind of person. He doesn't use a, like a person that has it all figured out or put together. He doesn't use, you know, just like a pastor or religious leaders or people who have certain gifts. I remember just as, as, as a, an attender, I would look Growing up in the church, like I would look and go, the people that get up and they can speak in front of people, well, God uses those people. Or missionaries would come and share and, and they would share about you know, living in another country and doing the work in, to, to, to reach people in other countries. And it's like, oh yeah, like wow, that, like God uses those people. God uses pastors and God uses, God uses missionaries. And it, it, it's like easy to think that, that there's like, spiritual professionals that God uses and then there's the rest of us and that's like completely wrong God uses all kinds of people for all kinds of ways big small and all of it matters to God all of it all of it can have a powerful effect on the kingdom of God so if you think like I'm not talented enough, or I'm not gifted enough, or I can't do this, I can't publicly speak, or I can't lead us, like, whatever that is, it's like, no, God can use you. God wants to use you. God used Gideon. God can use you. And it's interesting, because Gideon, if you look at, in verse 17, he's still, like, in denial about this whole thing. He replies, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. There's sort of this, like, is this really happening? Is this God? Like, what is this? Can I really trust this person? And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. And there we see the grace and patience of God. He could have said, Gideon, stop it. 
Are you kidding? And Gideon's like, well, I kind of need some proof. Hold on a second. And the Lord says, I'll wait until your return. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an FF of flour, or FF of flour, he made bread without yeast, putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot. He brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. Then the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. I want you to remember that, and Gideon did so. Okay? Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared up from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When the, Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it stands in Oprah of the Abizurites. So, I told you to remember that what it, Gideon did so. Here, here's what's really interesting about, about Gideon. He, um, he goes on two more times to sort of test God. So he ultimately tests God three times because he's just like struggling to believe that this is God. And he's in denial about still that God is going to use him or God that wa- wants to use him. So he goes, well, if you're really God, do this. And three times he tests God and God God shows up. And yet, in his sort of weak faith, in his weakness, his inadequacy, over and over again, you see Gideon did it. Gideon does what the Lord told him. Even though, like, despite what he feels, despite the doubt that he has, despite even the denial that he might have, Gideon does it. He steps out in faith and he does what God tells him to do. And I would say that's, like, that's the difference here. Is you can watch and doubt, or you can, you can doubt and step out and do something about it, despite what you think or despite how you feel, and see God show up. And it's interesting because when you go on to read the story, ultimately Gideon leads an army that defeats the Midianites. God does what God says he's going to do. But at one point, um, God tells Gideon to cut down the army. So Gideon starts with 20,000 men. And God goes, that's too many. And he goes, I want you to tell all the men, the 22,000, that if they're afraid, they can leave. Well, if you ask an army who's afraid, uh, and if you are, you can leave, you're probably going to get a lot of hands, and they got a lot of hands. So it goes from 22,000 down to 10,000. Half the men leave. And then God looks at the 10,000 and he goes, that's actually too many. Because if you have too big of an army and you defeat the Midianites, everyone's just going to assume it was because of your power and your strength. See, sometimes God increases the odds against us just to prove I'm way bigger. So he goes, I want you to send the 10,000 men down to the water. I'm going to be there. And there's going to be two ways in which the men drink from from the river. Either they will kneel and sort of lap it up like a dog. 
or they will cup it with their hands. The men who cup it with their hands, send them away. The men who at the river lap it like a dog, I want them to fight. Which is proof, biblical proof, that God loves dogs more than cats. <laughs> Kidding. I know, cat people. You guys... He loves cats. He created them. Don't worry. So, now we're at 10,000. Now 300 men lap the water like dogs. And he goes, those are the men. From 22,000 down to 300. The story goes on, and I just don't have time to read the whole thing, that uh, God uses Gideon and the 300 men to, def to defeat the Midianites. I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon. He said, my own weakness makes me shrink, but God's promises makes me, makes me brave. Where are you struggling? Where are you weak? Where are you in denial? It's okay. But what if instead of denial, you, you, you said yes to declaration? Yes, God. I will trust. Yes, God, I will keep praying despite the no's or, or the weight. Yes, God, I will keep asking. Yes, God, I will step out despite my, the fear I have about doing that or serving you or, or sacrificing that. Because I don't want to miss out on the power of God. You see, when, 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 we, when, we, when we only live in our strength, we miss out on experiencing the power of God. But when we're willing in faith to, to sort of step out in our weakness, God shows up. And we get to experience the power of God. So you want the Holy Spirit to work in your life? Declare it. Another Spurgeon quote, he says, To a great extent in spiritual things, we get what we expect of the Lord. If, in you, if, if you expect a small God, you get a small God. But if you expect a big God who can do big things, then you can even imagine you're going to get a big God. And you're willing to risk it and step out in faith you get a big God. There was a tightrope walker. I was told this story this week, and I was like, that's a great story. I got to use it. And uh, it fit for this week's sermon. But it, 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 a guy named Charles Blondin, here he is. He, uh, in, he's a tightrope walker, and in 1859, he decided that he would be the first to walk a tightrope across Niagara Falls. 1,100 feet long, 160 feet in the air. And so he, he it was, of course, like a big spectacle and a lot of people showed up to watch him try this and so he he goes across with with his whatever you call that balancing stick whatever you call that thing he goes across then he goes across without it and he proceeds to go back and forth like four or five times goes without the pole um then he decides let's let's kind of up it he takes a chair out to the middle and he he sits on it then he brings out some juggling pins and juggles his way across. Then he went, this is crazy, he took a hot plate out to the middle and he made himself lunch out there. Finally, he comes back and he pulls out a wheelbarrow. And he asks the crowd, he goes, do you think I could push someone across in this wheelbarrow? And because of what they had seen him do, juggle across, go out without, you know, his pole, Make lunch out there in the middle. Everyone goes, yeah, of course. We, look what we just saw you do. He goes, can I get a volunteer? And there wasn't a peep. 
You see, the crowd had seen him in action. They believed him, but they didn't trust him. They didn't trust him enough to get in that wheelbarrow. Eventually, the story goes that his manager got in it. Some accounts say his mom got in it. Um, but somebody got in the wheelbarrow, whether it was his mom or his manager, and they both made the trip across safely. You see, the greatest things happen in our life with God when we stop watching and start participating. True believers take the risk and get in the wheelbarrow. Are you willing to get in the wheelbarrow? What is God asking? What is your wheelbarrow that God is asking? And if you don't know what it is, ask him this morning. But are you willing, despite how you feel, despite what you see, despite what you've experienced, are you willing to say no to denial and yes to declaration? I can trust God, yes, because he's faithful. I can trust that despite how I feel or what I see, he is powerful, that he can use me, that, that he uses the meek, the weak, the inadequate. That despite my weakness, God can use me. And I am willing to trust him and get in the wheelbarrow and let him push me out into the unknown. Push me out into what it looks like danger. But guess what? I can trust him. Because he's faithful. And he's crossed that chasm over and over and over again. You don't get to experience, you know, if you, if, if, if you just go to watch, you miss out on the big things that God wants to do through you. But he ain't going to force you to get in the wheelbarrow. You're going to have to get out and trust him and make that decision yourself. So what is that wheelbarrow? If you don't know what it is, ask God. And ask him to give you one. And he will. That's one of those prayers he's going to answer. But maybe there's something God's impressed on your heart as of late and you're just you're sort of pushing it back or you're denying that it could be God, and I just want to say, what if you said yes? What if you said yes to God this morning? You do things you never imagined. He wants to use you, every single one of you, and he has a plan to use every single one of you. But are you, are you willing to get in that wheelbarrow and let him push you. Let's stand together and pray. Lord Jesus, help us to have faith, help us to trust you, help us to seek you. And I just pray, God, I think every single one of us has something, God, that you're calling us into. I don't think you just lay dormant. I think that you're always at work in our lives. And you're there. It's just sometimes we get caught up in so many other things. We get distracted by so many other things. So I just pray against those things. Help us to see you and hear your voice. What is it that you're calling us to right now? And I just pray, God, that you give us faith and confidence. And your, the word says we don't even need a lot. We just, we just need a tiny bit. Just a mustard seed of faith to move a mountain. Tiny bit. Give us that tiny bit to get in whatever that wheelbarrow is that you're calling us to. 
and to go out into the unknown, into the adventure, to see your glory, to see your power, to see your, your strength. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.